How do you live your life like tomorrow matters? Perhaps you're already growing food, consuming less, connecting with your community. Perhaps you're already thinking hard, keen to see the world a little slower, greener, healthier. But where to begin? Here on the Future Studying Podcast, we dig deep into the hearts and minds of blissfully normal people doing bloody amazing things, unearthing their moments of contradiction, their hopes and fears for the future, and what galvanises them to action, in the name of inspiring all of us to do a little more in shaping a better future today. I'm Katie. And I'm Jade. And this is Future Studying. G'day, Future Studders. This is a bite-sized conversation an iceberg, between myself and Jade about moments of joy and placemaking. When we're not interviewing brilliant and brainy folk, we're throwing around topics we personally grapple with. This week, we discuss simple daily pleasures, travelling versus staying put, and that all-conquering question, where should I live? That was pretty much just me putting Jade on the spot, asking for life advice. We really hope you're inspired to ponder and perhaps share with us your thoughts on these topics too. And we'll meet you back here next week for a deeply affirming conversation with Herb Whisperer, wizened beyond her years, Taj the Permapixie. See you then. Moments of joy. The smell of the gum trees at the back of my property when it's just been raining That's after a, good a really one. hot day is kind of heady and hard to beat. Lots and lots of little things. I think, um, you know, getting to know your magpie family and all the different personalities that they have. We've got a white one. I never knew there was such a thing, but we have an albino magpie. Wow. So getting to know it and how it kind of copes in its pecking order has been a bit of a little pet intrigue of mine. Um, digging a hole. <laughs> so that sounds really, really sort of manual and it kind of is but there is something really rewarding about absolutely a hole because mm-hmm. in that hole I can put a post and or I can put a plant or you know I can if I'm with Charlie I can assess what sort of soil type it is so those things are really really rewarding but really simple um grafting for me is oh you're so good at grafting I remember your technique oh. it's like a samurai well you, you, you need to say that to Charlie he doesn't think I'm a, I'm a samurai uh grafting I think the reason I love that is because you're creating something something that didn't exist before yeah. and I think that's amazing yeah and just observing so really having time I remember we were doing a photo shoot for my book not that long ago and it was this mentally hot day Charlie was away at fires and one of the photos was me cloud gazing with one of my kids. Oh, I don't know if you've ever done it, but just take five minutes. That's all it took. I put a rug on the ground in the middle of the paddock and, oh, I just melted and I lay down and I thought I feel like I can feel my heart slowing and I feel like I can feel the earth breathing and I felt totally insignificant it was a really simple, beautiful thing to do that made me think I could do this every single day. So I, I do stop every day and take five deep breaths. Sometimes 10 times a day I do that when I can feel my shoulders rising. But that was a little bit more. That felt like a real treat. Yeah. Wow, so nice. But everyone could do that. You know, there's parks near most people. We're really lucky with our green spaces. Yeah, I think. we really are. Mm. In this country. Not yes. necessarily everywhere, but certainly here a word a day that's something that sort of tickles my fancy a bit too and finding new ways to explain things ditto I like when I walk past a big old pine tree snapping off some needles Mm. and just inhaling that aroma of pine because it's so delicious and I made a 
pine needle vinegar once because pine needles are all edible. They're all safe to use and they infuse into vinegar really beautifully and that aroma just goes absolutely berserk. And so I just like sniffing things when I'm out walking. Mm, So you're quite sensorial too. Yes, yes. It struck me, yeah, when you were talking about the aromas that greet you and seasonal aromas as well. So when it's so hot and things are oozing their essential oils and then when it's cold and that bracing kind of steely smell. And getting to know those seasonal aromas or anything sensorial across the seasons, I start to long for. You know, it's so hard to imagine when you're in the guts of summer and it's as hot as hell. It's so hard to imagine getting cosy and smelling the smell of the gum burning in your house and the smoke that's kind of wafting through the air and and seeing the state of the frost glittering on your on your um, grass outside but you long for it you start to long and you start to get that real rhythm that moves across different atoms like it doesn't just become tomorrow's ache it's what you start to long for right across the years plural mm. Yeah, yeah, Joyce. Pine. Well, that's interesting. I need to ask you some more about that pine because <laughs> pine vinegar sounds good. Oh, it's so delicious as a salad dressing. I just like laughing at things as well. Mm. I like... Um, what makes you laugh out loud? <laughs> I have a really dark sense of humour, so I think... Um, and so does my partner. And so we we say cynical? things... We Cynical, but also just um, just... I, I know we joke a lot about I have a greyhound named Dave who's just a he's a real character and he's kind of um a bit basic but we we often joke about he's nonchalant <laughs> he's a sack of potatoes he's always just lying around and we joke about things like if times get tough eating in one leg at a time and things of that persuasion and yeah a lot of people just go don't talk about your dog like that whereas George and I are just cackling and rolling on the floor and so I like things that kind of nod to the fact that life is pretty grim sometimes yeah. but you can always laugh about it yeah and I find absurdity really funny. And so when you're – I like Instagram stories for this reason because you can film something, but then if you – Your Instagram stories make me laugh. <laughs> They're not much that makes me laugh because I'm hard to, it's hard to get me laugh. Your Insta stories make me cackle. You just see things sometimes that you – it's like what what is that person doing That's or what am real. I doing? That's yeah. like Barbara's whole take on life really. It's her going, hang on a minute, this isn't for real. I think placemaking is as much about the ritual that we create and the culture and the lens that we look through. And I think it's really important to know that just because you don't own your place and just because you can't feel soil under your feet doesn't mean that you can't feel like you belong somewhere. And you just said a second ago that, um, you know, it's a really good opportunity for you to feel settled. Mm-hmm. Settled. Talk about that. Yes. So... I just did a really protracted experiment for the last few years and potentially my entire life of just moving <laughs> from place to place. Um, and I think a lot of people do this, whether it's looking for a place that just feels right or it's circumstantial. Regardless, I've just done a bunch of house sitting and volunteering and wanting to gain lots of material from the outside world. But the consequence of that has been I am so discombobulated. I just don't have a place and I feel that maybe it's a generational thing. I haven't valued a sense of place. Mm. Um, We don't talk about the role of home in our age bracket. I mean, it's obviously coming up. People are popping out kids left, right and centre and that's that's placemaking as well when you have a a kid in some Mm. senses. But I've never really thought about the importance of having a home until I realised there's something really unstable underneath me. So even though... 
a lot of people have said, gosh, I'd really love to do what you're doing. You're going here and there. And it's a very idealized lifestyle traveling around. That is actually maybe for some people is totally, totally workable. But for me, has just eroded my sense of identity and my sense that I'm doing something meaningful to contribute to the present challenges and positively give back because I've realized that but it's not something I've thought about until now and hanging out with you Jade and you talk you talk about place making and just a sense of place and mm. I'd love to have concrete concrete examples and I'm doing these things in my life now which are making me inordinately happier mm. but I'd love for you to unpack those terms because again I think terminology can be alienating and so mm. placemaking what does that mean what does that entail for you and for I guess for anyone what are some examples of that mm. let me chat about that in a second I just want to ask you really quickly <laughs> how um how much more empowered and how much more settled do you feel now that you're in a place that you know isn't about to be pulled out from under you quickly it's pretty profound mm. And it's just the simplest things like seeing John across the street and seeing John a few doors up. There's a lot of Johns on our street. Just knowing people <laughs> in the street and seeing the same things. And these are the rituals and repetitions that make meaning mm-hmm. that I don't necessarily identify. We, we don't identify with ritual that much anymore, mm-hmm. but that's a ritual, me waving to that neighbour. Mm-hmm. And so now settling more in a place, which is a rental, but I know it's hopefully a long-term rental, has meant I can buy bulk foods again. I can make my kraut again. I can have my herbal remedies all mm-hmm. piled oh, up in the cupboard. In the yeah, these things, mm-hmm. it's People a novelty. It's amazing. And every time I walk the block, I see something different or I admire that tree and I you know, feel a relationship forming there. So, or you see oh, something the same. You see yeah, that rose that was coming into to um, bud two yep. weeks ago suddenly in bloom. Yeah, and you've watched it evolve across the season. Yeah, I'm watching a cow. This is hilarious. I'm watching a cow <laughs> shove its entire head under the look at its size of its tongue. That's a gymnastic tongue. <laughs> I think place for. All of us is a little bit different, but my dad used to say all the time, doesn't matter what you want to do in life or where you want to be, make sure that you've got deep, deep, deep roots somewhere. And then it doesn't matter what you do when you fly out to be, you know, on your long lead kite because you will have a foundation that holds you wherever you are. And, you know, we didn't listen to everything Dad always said, but that was actually something that both of us really really strived for really early on we both bought farms quite quickly or land quite quickly and we've both always created place so place for me is the most formative thing for place for me is my ability to grow and my ability to have my hands in the dirt that is around that place and often it's growing things that have come from aunties or mothers or grandmothers gardens so that I can walk around and know that they didn't just they're just not plants that I bought from a local store they're plants that I nurtured from their very inception when I took them as a cutting from my grandmother who took it from you know her sister or her aunt or whoever it might have been and for me that's something I do it's the first thing I do when we settled on our farm the day we settled I put some irises in the ground that I had Mm -hmm. at my last house which I had taken from my grannies 
that's really beautiful. And a mint plant taught me about placemaking the other day, actually. We had a mint transplant <laughs> and mint transplantation exercise happening in our uh, rental property. Well, the thing, it was great. This mint um, was stripped of all of its vital appendages pretty much and we knew that we had mint that would just grow back and it would be fine and proliferate but we put this one in a pot and we really didn't have high hopes for it he looked Done. very unhappy and um, we shoved it in and loving well, lovingly and gave it a water and a few days later we saw the first little shoots coming and we gave it a tug and it was rooted yeah. it had grabbed on yeah. and I thought it you little beauty yeah I'm gonna take that as a sign yeah. and it just I guess had to get comfy in its new potting mix that's a bit like all of us really we kind of just need to get comfy yeah and you need to really kind of you know kind of bury yourself in where you belong yeah. and to do that I I'm very sensorial so I need to be able to walk the place that is my home so if it's in the city it might just be the block and it might be getting to know all of the different smells and the different sights and the different sounds that feel repetitious and comfortable where we are it's you know knowing the length of the shadows that particular trees throw or knowing that if I walk a particular way I'm likely to brush past time and that'll that'll tickle my my nose senses smell senses so it's all of those little teeny tiny things that you can do and find little spots I have little spots at different times of the day for cups of well at the moment it's water because I'm off tea but I'm drinking water with fresh herbs so I'll pick whatever herb I feel like picking and then depending on the time of day I'll know all the little spots that have got just a little lick of sun that I can go and bask in for that 20 minutes that it'll take me to stop and take a deep breath and inhale a bit of water. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's placemaking. That's knowing that I belong there. Yeah. I remember having a woofer last year. He came to stay with us and we walked down our main road and he said, the next time I am never walking down your main street again with you because you know every single person. And so for me, that doesn't feel overwhelming. That feels like I belong and that feels nurturing. But for others, I imagine it would make them feel a bit suffocated. But it allows me now to know that I've got a place that even though I didn't grow up there and I don't have those seven, six generations that my brother has because he's still in our hometown, um, I do belong. And I can solve problems because I can reach out to people that I know and trust and they'll they'll support me. And mm-hmm. I can build community enterprises because people have faith in the vision that I can create and they'll come on that journey with me. And, um, you know, I can take time out in really safe places where I feel like I can kind of shut myself off for a few days and be nourished and nurtured by food that I've grown myself. So placemaking for me, I think for everybody is quite different. For me, it's very much seasonally oriented. Uh, I've In my book, I've got six chapters and I talk about the different seasons and um, it starts with uh, high heat in summer and then moves into uh, harvest and then the turning and then deep winter and then awakening and alive. And those six seasons for me are really demarcations of what the year looks like and what my place and my role in my place is. So I have a question for you, Jade. Try. Since we're talking about the future and we have a pretty obvious ecological kind of bent or we we care about healing the world, Mm. I guess in regenerative ways and with regenerative practices, 
is there for people listening where's the best place to live is there i think that I there's that a lot, yeah i reckon there is a um an assumption that we need to go rural or that's the that's the scene that this is going to happen mm. is that is that true or where Can do we live <laughs> in parts yes yeah look the reality is that um we have move towards an urban existence and that's not just in Australia that's globally I mean we're particularly urbanized but that's everywhere I would say that the best place for people to live is where they are the most comfortable and where they have roots and that may or may not be because family are there or because they've grown up there and they have a sense of familiarity or um, they just have an affinity with that particular place but it is without doubt the place that suits them for whatever reason people connect with a place I think food sovereignty will be an issue as we move forward. And so knowing that you've got the ability to get food and it doesn't matter whether that's you growing it or swapping it or connecting with a farmer that delivers it every four weeks, whatever that looks like for you, I think food sovereignty is something that we need to think about. I think um, rites of passage and cultural richness is something that we are desperately lacking and that we need to build. And if you can build that in the city, then, my God, you are in the right place. So if that's what resonates with you and you think you can connect with like-minded people and, you know, build different rites of passage throughout your life and for your children's lives and whatever, then you've got to stay. That's where you need to be. And that's a wrap for this week's Bite-Sized Ideas Morsel. Not quite as exciting or meaty as our wondrous guest conversations we know, but we're adding these small bites just in the in-between weeks. They're only a trial at this stage, so do let us know what you think. And thanks for all the love many of you are generously sharing. It seems we've struck quite a chord. Don't forget to subscribe to be sure you don't miss an episode. And we'll see you next week with Taj the Perma Pixie. Have a great week. <laughs>